Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at Menards. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time. Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host Manuel Feed, and as always, I'm joined to do this great show with Tim Bogdachev. Tim, how's it going? How's it going over there in Vancouver? Quarantine days of being, you know, more and more relaxed um, over here in Victoria. How is it in Vancouver for you? It's pretty the same. Yeah, life is getting back. It's very exciting. You know, to have some kind of normal life, it's still people being a little bit cautious, but I know that in certain parts of the world, especially we have some listeners from different places of the world, and things out there are still pretty strict. Uh, we're lucky that the things are slowing down here, and yeah, we get a little bit more uh, freedom, but at the same time, people still being cautious. But it's nice to see on the positive trend, and it's nice to be back with you, my friends, to talk about uh, Russian football and all the craziness which happens there. Yeah, are you speaking about craziness? Because I learned something new today. Everyone seems to have picked up a hobby during this quarantine times. And one of my favorite football people, David Beckham, has picked up beekeeping. And I'm bringing this up. <laughs> I'm bringing this up because I know that the next man that I'm going to introduce, massive Manchester United fan, Living all the way in two men, looks like a beekeeper. And Flint, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not really sure what beekeepers look like, but if I look like one, there must be a cool brand of people. Yeah, no, I'm doing okay, thanks, buddy. Good to be back on. Um, yeah, beekeeping. I mean, that really did come out of left field, um, the opposite side of his pitch, but um, not sure, not sure why. <laughs> well, I, I guess he couldn't pick up Lego because he's already doing that before the quarantine, so. The two things that you need to know about David Beckham, he's massively into Lego. He has actually an Instagram account, uh, Instagram account dedicated to Lego, believe it or not. I think it's run by his wife that catches him doing them at three o'clock in the morning, telling him to go to bed. So in addition to this, he's picked up beekeeping. Uh, you have to respect the man. Whatever David I Beckham mean, does, it's cool, right? There, there, there are worse things that your wife can catch you doing at three o'clock in the morning than Lego. <laughs> so maybe he's on something there. <laughs> Beautiful stuff. Hey guys, but we're not alone today. Uh, this, it's actually, you know, we went from two last week to three this week and then we added a fourth person just for good laughs. And I know this man is especially excited, um, because his favorite team, and we get complaints all the time from all these silly people out there telling us we don't have a Senate fan on this podcast. And it's not all, all fault that Saul Pope works in a prison and is busy all the time, right? But uh, thankfully we found someone else who can, uh, jump in. And be the next Saul Pope. He's actually also really Russian, which is also cool. We've got another cool Russian accent on there. Tim, you watch out. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you're in danger, buddy. Uh, Leonid Puchowski. Leonid, how's it going? Hello, hello, guys. I'm really glad to be here. Uh, I used to, like, Tim joined your podcast maybe four years ago or something. And it was really excited for me because it was really interesting that all those uh, soccer, football conversations that we had, he can bring up to the new stage and discuss in public and uh, 
even maybe some of my opinions were transferred through him. So I'm glad to be here. I'm excited that my team won the championship. I have some ideas about it, and I think we can discuss them forward. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, Leonid, because, um, you know, Tim, I I'm sorry, you know, so much <laughs> Russian Spartak news. Um, I, I always thought there was a secret voice in your ear when it came to Sinit, so I'm glad to finally meet the secret voice. But Tim, we have to actually start with you. Because, uh, my German buddy, Thomas Zorn, is gone. It's Spartak. It's happened there. Yeah, absolutely. Thomas Zorn, who is Spartak's, who now used to be a Spartak's general manager, was uh, let go by uh, Leonid Fidum. And, uh, it kind of really complicates the whole situation right now on the team. He was brought to uh, complete the rebuild in Spartak and he did it. Um, but also he has, he is the stepson of, of the, uh, president of, uh, of the Russian League. And there was also some hope that Spartak will get some favors and that there will be some, it, it's so Russian, you know, like you don't bring a professional just to do the job. You also bring him because of their connections and there are some family connections. But, um, there are questions about how Thomas Thorne did the rebuild. I personally think he did fairly well. And I think it's, <clears throat> it is, you know, he did something what he did. He also brought, obviously, his coach, Domenico Tedesco, who is the coach of the team of, of right now. So they work in tandem. Uh, but uh, apparently, again, this is not official. Obviously, Leonid Fidum will never share this information, but he was not share, he wasn't very happy how the league was treating Spartak, some refereeing decisions, some just really management league decisions. And um, that's, again, the rumors why Thomas Storm was fired. Uh, but um, again, I, I, you know, Leonid Fidun is such an interesting and very controversial football manager. But I, I might, I understand his thinking. I understand his process of thinking that maybe he's not very happy with the process of rebuild. Also, Thomas Thorne was a former agent, and there was some questionable dealings, which again we will never find out. But there were some suspicions that Thomas Thorne was somehow involved in a few transfers, or at least his agency was involved. In the future transfers, but that's not the reason. There's also reason that Leonid Fidon was really, and a few times publicly, was very upset with the decisions what the league uh, did against Spartak. And um, apparently, that's a few combination of reasons why Stomatson was let go. I understand the thinking, but I completely don't understand the timing. You can let the man work till the end of the season and then make a change. So it's very, very weird timing. Even you can somewhat understand Leonid Fidun's thinking. But um, there was already a replacement, and this man is very interesting in the Russian football. His name is Shamil Gazizov. We spoke about him a few times on the podcast. He was the man in charge of Ufa, and we talked that Ufa is one of the most interesting and well-run small clubs in Russia. And he got a new challenge. He is now he's going to start as a new general manager of Spartak Moscow as the next week. And we will see what this will bring. Uh, also, Lenin Fidum uh, really <clears throat> linked this change to the, all the changes and all the financial situation that's happening in Russia and the world. And Shamil Gazizov is really known to optimize finances, to save money where he can. So Lenin Fidum likes that. So we can understand the whole idea, but uh, I don't get the timing. That's kind of my two cents on, on, on that topic. Yeah, I mean timing is timing is everything, right? It's it's an it's an odd one for sure. Um, you know, just as odd as this net next topic. And I feel like this topic is odd every week. Andrew Sinit faced Sochi, or also known as uh, is it Sinit two or three? Um three, three. It's supposed to be three because Orenburg is in it too. Uh, have you decided it's three? Okay. Well, Orenburg, I'm, I'm relegated to Orenburg. I, I, I'm deciding Orenburg are now three. They've been swapped around. Um, they're not flavor of the month anymore. Wait, so, there's a youth uh, team which Zenit is called Zenit 2. Again. No, there's Zenit 2, there's a youth team. So now we deal in Zenit 3 and 4. Okay, guys, 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 guys. All right. Zenit, Zenit 2, Zenit 3, Zenit 4. There you go. Settled. Anyways, Kokorin was playing for Zenit 3, uh, also known as Sochi. He, he played against Sinit on the weekend, right? But most of all did not. So I, I, I'm going to give this to Andrew and Leonid, but let's, Andrew, your thoughts first, because I know you've been ranting about this for a while. So I want to give you the floor first. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. Um, 
So yeah, only six ex-elite players in the starting lineup. I was surprised to see that few because practically all of Sochi's squad is is an elite player, the former's an elite players anyway. Kokorin's whole the fact that Kokorin's in Sochi full stop is um is a weird one. I remember in the winter uh, the winter break, Kokorin came back after his um uh, prison time, shall we say, and he started the first two winter break friendlies as captain, named captain by Sergei Semak for all those games. And I thought that was going to be a strong statement of support for him. And it probably was. Uh, I don't think, realistically, Semak wanted him to go. I may be wrong with that, but I, I'm only reading into friendlies there, so maybe it's not so important. But Kokorin, he's um He's a happy-go-lucky sort of guy in some senses on the surface. You see him before the game. He, was, he wasn't he was hanging out with the Sochi players on the pitch. He was just buddying up to Juba. Even during the game, you could see him. He practically, at one point, marking Juba for a corner. He just rested his head on Juba's shoulder as if he was being protected by his by his you know older brother or something. And they were just giggling and laughing together. Um, so, for me, it was really, really clear. Uh, Kukorin is still going to be brought back to Zenit and he's friendly there. You know, a lot of people like him there, the players at least. Um, but I mean, I, I don't understand not allowing Mostovoy to it. What, what's the, what nerf is the point? You know, the, the title's won. Mostovoy, the young players, had a really good season um, down in Sochi. He scored, what, five, six goals, I think it is. Um, but then again, the whole the whole situation is a fast full stop. Um, Having uh, <laughs> having Sochi flooded with Zenit players anyway, um, and you would have thought they'd say, you know what, who cares? Who cares? The championships won. It doesn't really matter. Nobody's gaining any advantage except us because it's our farm team. So yeah, I don't know why Mostovoy wasn't allowed to play too. Leonid, what's your thoughts on the whole Mostovoy situation? Um, so I think it all depends on their contracts, which I. Not exactly sure about what what or like the future there, but for the information that I have is Mostavoy is not allowed to play against Zenit like whatsoever. Uh, but Kokorin had uh, uh, this um, I don't know how you, how you call it, but uh, the amount that they pay off for the person who is uh, playing for the team which he's having contract with, and I think that some was like. $5,000 or $500,000. Uh, and I think they waived it. And my whole idea about the situation is it's, uh, I think the Zen is trying to smooth the whole current situation in the media right now because, uh, they got so much hate, uh, because of that move. And as you guys mentioned, uh, he was starting as a captain and he was doing really good in the preseason games. And obviously, Samak, the coach, he wanted him to be in the team and he had like high hopes. But, uh, we don't know what's happening behind the closed door with the Zenit management, but the guy was forced to go to Sochi and lots of fans were absolutely, I can't even find the word to describe it, but they could, nobody could understand why is it happening. And now I think they just wanted to smooth the whole situation and, uh, they made this gesture when they allow him just to play for free. And all that. So basically, as I get it, Kakorin was like he had an ability to play against the Zenit and the Mostovoy couldn't. Yeah, it makes sense. I guess it's also, as you said, it's, it's, it's bound to the situation, but at the same time, it's an interesting one because you, you kind of want your players to develop, right? And that's why you're sending them out on loan. Um, I think for us in general, the whole Senate situation is, uh, Senate and the various farm teams. I mean, they, There's very, for me, there's a multitude of layers to it because in some ways, the clubs that are getting the financial support, they wouldn't maybe survive without it and wouldn't be able to get all these, um, get all these players, um, in, in a different deal, right? Um, so yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a similar situation to when, uh, when Zuba, uh, faced the need with Arsenal just before the World Cup, right? Um, yes, totally. <laughs> Uh, so it's, it's a nice transition. It's a nice transition in general because I don't know why I let you guys keep doing this, boys. Um, someone always puts together the document and every single time you guys put together the document, there is a word on there that will turn us explicit. <laughs> so Andrew should take this next topic. Yeah. So Andrew, <laughs> <laughs> that's my joke. I'm not going to read out what's written. 
because it was obviously not me. <laughs> actually, I'm just gonna I'm gonna defend myself here for one moment. It actually wasn't me who wrote this. I do admit I have a habit of putting the most ridiculous things on the document, but um, yeah, I mean, Juba is the for the last two years he's transformed into this sort of cartoon character almost, and I mean that sort of partly in a good way in the sense that he's built up a load of confidence and support and his form has been out of his world. But then he always believes his own hype a little bit too much and he gets carried away sometimes. And in the dressing room, after after they lifted the title, lifted the trophy, um, uh, sorry, not lifted the trophy, but they won the title um, away in Krasnodar. And he and Asmoon are the partnership. They are... The, the strike partnership that pretty much everybody else fears they've scored, was it, 29, 30 goals between them this season. And in the dressing room afterwards, he was, um, uh, oh God, even I am struggling to say this without being seriously uncomfortable. A rather graphic um, sexual act um, involving Asmoon, and everybody found it rather funny. And then, to be on a serious note for a moment, it, it really disappoints me because it's it 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 would appeal to uh, I mean Tim Leonid, I hope you're not offended by me saying this, and I think you'll understand what I mean by this. But quite a large portion of of Russian society at the moment um, will laugh at a, at something that really is it, it shouldn't be laughed at. You know the um, the attitude towards homosexuality is not the most enlightened i'm going to be briefly honest um and i don't think it's a, it's not like a hatred thing it's just a, a a lack of education for a large part of russian society um and that sort of image a lot of people will just simply find it funny rather than saying well you know why are you trying to pretend you're you're, you're having anal sex with Asmoon in the in the dressing room you know it's just it, I don't know maybe it's maybe it's a personal celebration and it's it's not relevant maybe that's just my take on it but I don't mean to offend anybody by that but um it, it just disappointed me slightly that was all well this is so true and uh, in Russia we take this whole homosexual thing completely different that uh, people from the maybe most of the world at least western world uh, but yeah, that, I think it was just, uh, the championship dressing room where all the crazy stuff was happening. And I'm sure there are even more crazy stuff happening in other, uh, championship uh, dressing rooms. But, uh, it shouldn't be caught on camera and put by the media uh, of the club. Yeah. Uh, put online. And I think this is where they screwed up because, uh, I mean, they didn't even need this topic to be discussed. And now the official statement from the, the management, from the Zenit president was that this is what they're going to do with Sportak Moscow in the cup semifinal, which uh, brings up another big, big conversations. Yeah, that's unfortunate because like we have so many incidences with Russian club media where you think, okay, well, maybe for this time you're going to learn from it. And then it happens again. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe this time you're going to figure it out. And then it happens again. And then you say, okay, well, maybe this time. I mean, can you not read the room? It's it's so straightforward. There's Regardless of what you personally think, there's certain things that you just don't put on social media, right? Absolutely. And uh, I, I would say that Zenit's uh, media department is the best in the country. Yeah. I mean, their YouTube, their Twitter... Like they, they did a really great job. Uh, and then all of like this situation happens and the result is like, I mean, the problem with Zenit right now is all the Russian supporters, uh, who are not the Zenit fans, they hate Zenit. So Zenit needs to work towards the, correct. yeah, to, to, to smooth, to smooth up the situation, to be like, you know, a cool guy. And again, we screw up and everybody start like, there is another like, uh, point to be hated for. So, I mean, I, I don't get it. Like they they doing a good job uh, in something, and then some other things they just screw up so bad. I guess that's just how Russian football works so far. Yeah, we, you know, Leonid, you've probably been listening to this podcast for a very long time. Um, this is unfortunately something that we talk about a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, every time it's like, well, this hip. This happens, you know, we have, we have another our topic that we'd rather not discuss and we would rather focus on football, but it's unfortunately a big part of this, this show. 
Um, but let's do talk about something that everyone in football wants to talk about. And Andrew, I know this is, um, you know, sort of the bread and butter of football journalism. I know everyone thinks it's going to games. That's really where it's at. Let's be honest. It's transfer season. And you know what I'm the most excited about this year about the transfer season, guys? The most exciting part is it's going to be from July 15th to October 5th. It's going to be the longest transfer window in history. I am literally dying. Every day is going to be rumors. Every day is going to be making fun of Fabrizio Romano, Christian Falk, all these guys that think that they know everything. I love it. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. But um transfers are happening. When we got a transfer story that could be the first domino in Russian football, um, this young guy, Adolfo Geich, I hope I said this right, from San Lorenzo, is on the verge of joining CSKA for a deal worth 8.5 million euros. That seems like a phenomenal deal, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, it's... That is a really, really surprising um, transfer on face value simply because he's, he's pretty much the toast of South American football in terms of strikers. Uh, best, but he's certainly been touted by Argentinian media for, for some time. He's a, he's a tall target man. He's played for their age group teams. He's scored pretty regularly for, for his country at the under-20 level, under-23 level. And, and for his club this season, he's... Um, <clears throat> Picked up a minor injury here or there, but he still comes back and scores. And I mean, it's, I would have thought it would be more logical for him personally to go to a, a bigger league and a bigger club simply because I think he probably could, could get that. Um, but you're absolutely right. There is a, it's a domino effect always certainly about to happen now because I mean, we know that Tesca played with a system, you know, there's a guess with just one striker up front and uh, Nicola Vlasic just behind, I guess. And, Sigurdsson as an attacking midfielder, but as a striker, and Geich is an out-and-out striker, he's not a number 10 or anything, um, it's signalling surely that Fjordor Chalif is, is going to be on his way out, which I find the timing highly ironic because Chalif had, up until the last two games where he scored twice, and he was good against Orenberg um, yesterday, but he's not, before that, he hadn't scored in something like eight months. He'd only had five goals for the season before that. And, so for him, for, for Tiscar to be committing what is a considerable amount of money for them, given that they have the highest debt in, in Russian Premier League, um, it must mean, obviously, that Chalof is, they have a very, very strong feeling that Chalof is going to be moved on. Otherwise, they simply wouldn't be able to afford it. But to whom? There was talk last summer of Crystal Palace in the English Premier League uh, being after Chalof for £25 million pounds, which is over his value, in my opinion, um, over what they should be paying for him. But he is a very talented player, so I'd be very curious to see where he's going at this stage. Um, but like you say, transfer window opening soon. You know, most sensible clubs will start their business well before the actual transfer window itself opens and be ready for when it does, so they're not scrambling around the last few days and weeks, which is what half of English Premier League clubs tend to do anyway. Um I really genuinely don't know where, where he's likely to go. I guess possibly English Premier League, but um, uh, it's Geich coming here is a very strange one for me. Well, it's it's an interesting one too because you look at Geich and uh, at Transfermarkt we have this we have this tool that you know they take all the information from a player that we have on Transfermarkt to stats, um, which is supplied by Opta, right? And, um, his height, his age, his market value. And then it spits out a list of players that are comparable. And the number one player that shows up is Fido Chalov. So you're really thinking, okay, well, this is a carbon copy coming in, right? Um, but there's some other interesting names on that list that's comparable to Emmanuel Denise from Bruges. Uh, Otson Edward, who's uh, playing for Celtic, um, has been linked to a lot of different clubs. Um, someone like Dominic Solanke, right, who's currently with Bournemouth. Uh, Eddie Enquita from, from Arsenal or Jose Macias, the, the Mexican striker. So this is, this is a, this is a prominent name, but, uh, Andrew, I'm 100% with you. This, to me, you don't bring in another prominent striker who is pretty much a carbon copy of the player that you already have in your system unless you're moving that other player out. So if you're getting 8.5 million euros for Adolf Geisch, 
that indicates to me, and we were in a COVID-19 um, business world at the moment, right? Transfer values are down. Uh, clubs don't have as much money unless they, they, they can only spend what they earn in the first place. So this, um, to me, indicates that Gaich is um, a replacement for Fedor Chalov. Um, but boys, that's not the only transfer news. Who wants to take this next one? Kento Hashimoto to Rostov. Um, I am not going to lie and say that I know Kento very well, but, um, I do see that he used his picture, he used the picture of poor Yuya Osako to announce him. Um, I guess in Rostov, they still think that every Japanese person looks the same. Um, social media just, yeah, that gets us back to our social media topic. So I think we've said enough about that. But, um, Tim, you want to take this one? Well, I wouldn't call myself an expert on Kento Hashimoto's career, but, uh, there's, um, there's just an interesting pattern which is happening with, uh, Rostov in general, uh, that they not only signed, uh, the, um, Kento Hashimoto, but also they, uh, signed a, uh, young, um, uh, player from Macedonia whose name is David Tashevsky. Also, I don't know much about him, but they spent uh, uh, 1 million uh, euro and they spent, spent another very talented uh, young Russian guy. So in general, we need to understand that uh, Rostov is, is managed by a very well-connected uh, Russian agent. Uh, his name is Manyakov. And he is really, is he does a lot of interesting deals and he brings a lot of players. He... Him and I, uh, like, I shouldn't say him because he's the president. He can't really do that. But his agency and his people he works with, they bring quite a lot of people who Valery Karpin and his coaching staff develop. And those players, uh, come in very young and pretty much unknown. For example, Chistyakov would be one of the good, uh, examples who come in pretty much no names. And thus they start playing consistently in Russian Premier League. And there's quite a few examples like that. So when Rostov does the transfers like this, and they did three time three transfers in, in pretty much in a couple of weeks, we need to pay attention to that because some of those players might make a step to to the next level. They might be and start consistently playing uh for Rostov. And um Rostov already proved that they can bring those young players. So that's why we're covering this. We really don't know much about all those players, which they bring in right now. But um, given the history, that might be a very interesting uh, development. And some of those players might be, uh, you know, might might progress and might be something uh, that Rostov will uh, capitalize in the future. Yeah, Rostov, um, <laughs> I don't want to say they're a well-run club because we all know the financials behind it, but they do a lot with very little. That's, I think, the best way of putting it because the financial situation is never really the healthiest, but they're still very efficient um, of using the few yeah. financial resources that they have, right? And I, I think that's that's very admirable. Um, currently fourth in the standings too, um, playing a good year. Sorry, fifth in the standings. Uh, let me correct that. I know they got screwed over a little bit by that game um, that we discussed <laughs> first week back. So, um, if you want to, if you're interested in that, that 10-1 defeat, I think we discussed it two weeks ago. We got to discuss it again a little bit. But, uh, Leonid, I think it was you who brought this up. Um, Elder Shomuradov, he is, could be on his way out. We were talking a little bit about Ghent. Ghent obviously could be in, in for the striker because of Jonathan David potentially moving on, uh, maybe to Lille, maybe to Gladbach. Um, is this, this is in some ways a parallel move, but you pointed out that maybe Belgium, that he would get a little bit more attention. Well, yes, uh, definitely. I think um, uh, going from Russian league to even smaller European league like uh, Belgium or Austrian, uh, Swiss, um, it, uh, they get more, uh, more eyes from the bigger clubs, from German clubs, Italian clubs. And for development as a player, I think it's a good move. Um, I still think that Shomorodov could get uh, an offer from a bigger league. Uh, I think this season he did really well, and I think he could get a chance in the smaller team from Bundesliga or something. But um, obviously that uh, Rostov is signing uh, that Macedonian guy uh, means that uh, one of the striker is on the watch from some other clubs, and they probably working on the deal because. 
they not only they have the Shomorodov, they also have the guy from Kazakhstan, Zainuddinov, who is also really uh, developing a player and he's playing attacking position. So it uh, seems like they gotta be substituting somebody with somebody. So I think that's a great move for Shomorodov if it happens. And then Rostov seems to be doing they're doing good transfers lately and. Uh, I actually just watched some highlights of the striker that uh, they're bringing in, and he seems to be very promising. And I know that they offered him uh, the first team uh, position, that uh, and they were ma- they managed to steal them off the. There was interest from Inter and Monaco, uh, and yet Rostov signed the guy. So uh, means I don't. It seems like they know what they're doing, and uh, I, if. Uh, the management of Rostov won't screw up again, uh, like they did a few years ago. Uh, they are said to be the strong contender for at least uh, Europa League next year. And I think for the team uh, as big as Rostov, it's actually a really good path right now. Yeah, 100%. Uh, just three points um, of a Champions League spot. Of course, Kaslandar has two games less, um, which means that, you know, even though they're a point behind CSKA, they are a little bit in the driver's seat of snatching up that third spot, which would give them the um, Champions League qualification spot, not a direct path to the group stage. Um, Leonid, group stage and qualification for qualification for the group stage is not something that you have to worry about because Sinead are champions. Tim, you have to be brave now because we're going to talk a lot about Sinead. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's okay. Great. That, that, that's why we brought on Leonid. Um, I have to actually underline here, this was your idea. And <laughs> <laughs> well, we're friends in the end of the day, so, you know, like, I have to suffer this on a daily basis, but yeah, let's do it publicly now. Yeah, it's too <laughs> publicly. Um, I have to underline again, this was Tim's idea. He wanted to suffer through this next part of the top, part, top podcast. Cause Leonid, you're champions. How Ooh. does it feel? Um, it's great. I mean, being champions always great. But for me, I think this championship is the least excited out of the all five that we got in the Russian history. Um, and uh, all those ones we earned before were really competitive. Now Zenit is winning a uh, few games ahead with 10 points advance. And, you know, it could be all great if you would say compared to Liverpool, who didn't earn the trophy in whatever, like 30, 20 years, 30 years, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, well, then it is the second time championship in a row, um, which is really great for Semak as a coach. I think he just did a great job. And uh, for me, he's just the brightest thing in the whole Zenit system right now. So, yes, I, I'm really glad that we got it. Uh, but, like, the way I just see it right now, Zenit is set to be championship every year. Uh, we are the, we have the biggest budget. Uh, we have, <laughs> we have four teams as we just, uh, we're making fun of it, uh, playing in the Russian different divisions. Um, and, uh, we even have this amount of the players to fill up the whole Premier League team, uh, the starting, like, 11 players. So, yeah, that was the easiest for us. And, uh, that's why it's less exciting. It's an interesting thing that you bring up there, uh, Leonid, because it is something that is being discussed quite a bit, is the fact that so many of Europe's leagues are being dominated by one team. I mean, you know, you look at um, Italy, it's Juventus. You look at Germany, it's Bayern. You look at France, it's PSG. Liverpool won the league in, it feels like, January. You know, and even though there is a couple other teams that at least challenge them, but the gap between the top teams and the rest of the league is gigantic. Uh, and this is maybe something that all of you guys can discuss and maybe bring this to, to Andrew first. Is this something that we have to worry about in Russian football, Andrew? Uh, well, given the complete and utter mess behind them, um, the lack of consistency, you'd have to say in the short term, yes, I think Unless we see some dramatic change, um, more stability. I mean, you look at Spartak. Tim won't mind me saying that um, it's not exactly the most stable club. Um, and yeah. the fact that Dominique Tedesco signed with such a short-term contract, only a year and a half, I believe it was, that kind of shows that he's only 
kind of making his mind up. Does he want to stay or not? And I, I can easily see this turning sour. I think he's a good coach, obviously. He's a good coach. And, and Sparta could do well to time down to a longer deal. But Sparta could challenge. They've got potential, but they just don't have the stability. Maybe Gazizov coming in will help that. Uh, Lokomotiv, well, you know, who knows? They've got to revamp that squad. There's a fair few ageing players they need to change out. Alexei Miranchuk is constantly being linked with moves away. And if he moves, then, you know, that's one major starter lacking. So, you know, um, Tiska, well, they should. Again, it's all it's all talking about potential. Zanit, right here, right now, have a side that I think genuinely could with one or two additions, could genuinely make the challenge in a Champions League group stage. And you couldn't say that about any other side, really. Krasadar, yes, they are probably the closest, I would argue. But again, it's so hard to tell with the amount of injuries they get. And they do seem to bottle the really, really big games in Europe at the moment. So, uh, Premier League challenge, I just, I can't see anybody challenging Zanit next season. I really, really can't. Long, long term, I think Krasnodar will be much stronger. So long-term, I'm not worried. Short-term, yes. But long-term, um, I think we'll have at least Krasnodar and at least one or two of Spartak or Tiska will be able to challenge too. Yeah, I think it's hard to argue with that because really, uh, like if, if everything what you say, that, that makes complete sense because Zenit is right here, right now. And all the clubs in some sort of development or restructuring, or rebuilding, and really the clubs are really not stable. Zenit is right here, right now, the strongest team in the country, and uh, also, um, I don't think Lenit will uh, mind me saying, but obviously the strongest budget, that obviously links to the best transfers, so they can afford players like Malcolm, and um, they can afford buying players from the top Russian teams and bringing them over, which makes them extremely strong. But like I said, yeah, extreme right now, but the downside of that for the whole Russian football, because they don't really have uh, that competitiveness at home, how they will going to perform in Europe. And we saw that, we see that every year with the example of PSG, who are absolutely phenomenal back home, but when it comes to the big games, they still were not able to, to, to make it to the same final of the Champions League. So for development of Russian football, is it good? Is it bad? I don't know, but maybe... You know that whole domination uh, in in Russia. I don't think that helps Zenit in Europe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. With AMC+, Plus, the plus doesn't just mean more. It means better. Available through the platforms you're already on, AMC Plus is a premium streaming bundle with the best of AMC, plus the complete collections of Shudder, Sundance Now, and IFC Films Unlimited. Get the latest from The Walking Dead with early access and exclusives. Binge acclaimed series like Mad Men ad-free and with new content dropping each week like Gangs of London, a powerful drama about London's criminal underworld. There's always something fresh to check out. Sign up at amcplus.com, amcplus.com, AMC Plus, only. The good stuff. I totally agree with it. I uh, I think, and again, I told Tim I'm gonna go a little bit political uh, because the the Zenit is the project of Gazprom, which is the biggest Russian company, right? And uh, uh, I'm sure Putin is also behind the Zenit. It, he's he's not he's not really officially linked to any of the team, but he's from St. Petersburg, and the, his whole crowd is from St. Petersburg, and for them it's, it's just to uh, set another, um, I don't know, like the idea is that whatever this crowd is doing, it's dominant power. Uh, and uh, international, uh, they just, you know, they say, oh, we did well, we completed, blah, 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 and they will always uh, find excuses uh, how to explain why Zenit didn't make it out of the group stage right now. But I don't think they, uh, they think in long term for the Russian Premier League development and, uh, uh, those situations that happened in the previous transfer window with Sutermin and his move to, from Orenburg to Rubin back to, uh, 
to Orenburg, to Zenit, and it's all messed up. And uh, again, like the official signing fee, I don't remember how much it was, but it was something like 50,000 rubles or something. So what it makes, it, um, I know uh, it's not only screwing up the uh, Orenburg, we didn't get the money, or it did it somehow the other way through Gazprom, because Gazprom also owns the Orenburg. But also those money, uh, like some some uh, portion of the transfer goes for the development of the player, uh, like his youth teams and youth coaches and all that. So those uh, smaller teams and coaches, they won't get anything. So they won't be able to upgrade their smaller academies or anything. So um, for me, my favorite club is not doing good for the country's soccer. That's what That's how I see it right now. So it, it's so controversial. Yeah, it is a difficult conversation because I think it is a conversation that we now have in many countries. Well, we have the dominant of the few and, um, this is, this is maybe a segue to, to the next point, um, or one of the points that we had and wanted to bring up. And it is where you see that clubs sort of cement their power is by continuously going into the Champions League group stages, right? And making more money than the rest. And when you look at the league like the, the Russian Premier League, um, the fact is that if you are a club like Zenit and you go in the Champions League, and yes, they're, they're backed by Gazprom and they, they have a ton of money from them, but um, financial fair play means they have to also generate their own income, right? In, in that sense, Leonid, the the them going deep in the Champions League is good for them, but not necessarily good for the league. But what are the expectations of Zenit in, in Europe? Because we haven't seen a Russian team win an international trophy since they have done it, right? And yeah. every year we sort of think, okay, well, maybe this time a Russian team goes deep, but this year they were all out before the, the playoffs. So what is then the expectation for Zenit in Europe? Um, I don't have high expectations at all, and uh, I would probably expect them to do well if they ma make it uh, to the Europe uh, Liga, but um, not in the Champions League. And my main concern is our centre-backs, like Ivanovic and Rakitsky, they're two uh, older centre-backs who, who don't have speed. And uh, when they been challenged, like I just remember the last uh, group stage and we played against uh, Leipzig. Like, uh, uh, Leipzig. And Leipzig was just like crushing them. Like those guys were just like waiting for the for this uh, games to be over because nobody's challenged them like this in Russian league. And they, like we, we just brought it up. Like they don't get the same challenge. And uh, yes, Zenit has a lot of good players, but they definitely need to pick up a really solid center back. And if they do, and that guy blends in well, they might have a chance to make it out of the group. Because yes, we do have, like, we do have competition inside the team. We have, uh, good attacking line. Malcolm is fitting in better and better. And he's becoming, like, the, the performance right now. The goal he just scored, like, against Sochi was really nice. So, uh, I think this crowd has potential, but uh, they will definitely need to do some transfer moves, and I don't know how it's going to happen in these coronavirus days. And Sema, the coach, he just uh, uh, after the game with Sochi, he announced that he doesn't even know what's going to happen with the transfer window because it's so unpredictable right now. Oh. And, and 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 just to add up to this. Uh, there was the news that Ivanovic just uh, went bo back home to Serbia with some um, family issues. And there were rumors for the last couple of years that he might be retiring or going back and uh, playing the last season in the Serbia and retire there. And he's actually the best defender that we have right now. And he's either 36 or 37. 36. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you see the situation here. But to bring up the transfer window, I mean, you guys know this. I work for Transfermarkt and trust me, no one knows what's going yeah, to happen this yeah, summer. Yeah, it's, it's complicated. It's extremely complicated. And it's extremely complicated in so many different levels because coronavirus doesn't have an end date. We simply don't know when it's going to end. I mean, it might never end, right? And, um, it, it might throw up more complications. We might have a second wave. We, it's just, 
we don't know because without knowing we don't know how much money is going to be available to spend and Sanitas is just one of many teams although I, rem- I I expect that they are probably in a much better situation than most other clubs in Russia but you're already bringing it up a little bit with Seymour there Leonid and it's, I find this really interesting because one of the names that you mentioned is Malcolm and I think there's a lot of teams around Europe that would have loved to sign him and to be able to get a player like that to play in a league that is probably a little bit below his personal level where we expected him to go. If you are Seymour and we, rem- I remember doing this podcast and laughing about Sinead regularly because they brought in all these big name players and they would fail to win the title. Seymour comes in, he stabilizes these groups, he throws us, he controls all those big egos. How big is his portion of the success? Because Yes, we're saying Zenit is so dominant at the moment, but we can all remember having them a big budget and not being dominant at all. Uh, in my opinion, it's huge. I think it's so his uh, great, great, great work. And uh, there is also another person who pinched in a lot, uh, the Ribalta, our sporting director. Uh, I think all the last transfers were really great. And uh, But for, as for Samak... Um, after his first season, I was, I had controversial feelings about him because yes, he delivered, he did the job, but I didn't really like the way they played. But then I thought about it and uh, obviously he needed to simplify the game because he had those, all those players, a huge amount of players brought by different coaches that were needed to be playing in different systems. And he was just like given all this situation and he needed to perform. So uh, I think his idea to simplify the game and just play uh, long balls to Zuba, uh, and it paid off, and it's still working out. I think he wants to develop, and uh, I don't know uh, what his plans are, but having players like Malcolm and Drewsi and Asmund and Zuba, it allows you to uh, be more creative and attack. Um, but the biggest uh, achievement of him is that he put this whole group together. Like, actually, the atmosphere in Zenit is really well. Like, it's really, really nice. Even with all those scandals with Cochrane and everything, like, I can see that the group are fighting for each other. They're fighting for their coach. Uh, they respect him a lot. And this is, this is what's huge because, uh, players with big, oh, I mean, coaches with big names like Mancini, they couldn't do the job. And, uh, the guy with just so little experience as a head coach, he just, uh, came to the biggest club in the country with all the pressure and he delivered right away. Andrew. Yeah. If, uh, and sorry, if, can I just add yeah. a little, just a little bit? Um, we talked about this, um, a couple of years ago when we, then they had Mancini and, and Lucesco. And, Those were the uh, days. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and, uh, Spartak was really doing well back then. And I said, really, the, the worst thing that could happen to Spartak in terms of Zenit coming as, as our competition, that they will bring someone uh, most likely Russian who will stabilize the, uh, the dressing room because Mancini and Luchesco didn't do it. They had their big egos and they didn't work. And they will just let those players play because they have the quality of players and they have enough resources uh, to put this together. You just need to let those players play and coach them, obviously, a little bit, like you have to do your job. But it was very important to bring the dressing room together. And I think what Sergei Simak, he's done that. He's very successful. But I think that's what Leonid is talking about, is that really he put everyone together and they just won the league two, two times in a row. So, yeah, you can go back two years ago to listen to the podcast. I predicted this. <laughs> uh, Andrew, do you miss Mancini? <laughs> I'll tell you who I miss. I miss Andrew villas Boris. It was my favourite press conference of all time, that when I really, really, really cheesed him off. Manny, you wouldn't know anything about annoying Zanit managers in press conferences. He was still at Schachter so, at the uh, time. <laughs> he was still at Schachter at the time. <laughs> well, no, in all seriousness, though, Tim makes, Tim makes a very, very good point. And to be fair, we must give Tim credit. He is absolutely right. He, yeah, spot he on. completely predicted exactly what, what has just happened. And uh, Semax, uh, I mean, like Lenny says, it's it, his part is is huge, and um, it really actually took something. I'm not. I don't mean to underplay his uh, knowledge and ability as a coach and the respect he deserves as a player within Russian football. But it actually didn't take something that complicated. It took somebody who just could deal with the the dressing room, 
because the players are good enough. I, I'm, I'm not trying to say that coaches and analysis are not worth that much. Of course, they're worth an, an enormous amount. Long term, without it, you're just going to fail. But when you have players of that level of quality, especially relative to their competition, the most important thing is getting the best out of them. And, in that, and that often just simply means letting them play. I mean, these players, you don't need to teach most of them simply how to play football. You need to teach them how to play football together. Um, and that mostly comes down to mentality. And I think the balance, and especially I'm pleased, Leonard, you that you picked out Ribalta as well. I think Zanit's last transfer window, uh, not last transfer window, uh, last, uh, well, 2019 transfer window, 18 months ago, was arguably their best transfer window they've had in in some considerable time, bringing in, what was it, was it Barrios and Rakitsky were just absolutely crucial. Um, and uh, But in the end, you've got to just simply let the, let the players play and keep the harmony in the squad and, and, and success will come. So Mac has worked that out. I'm amazed that Zanit did in the first place. So, but well done. Yeah, it's a fascinating one. I mean, Zanit's staff is, staff is very big. Um, it's, it's one of the biggest ones, not surprising in Russian football and Javi Rebalta. And I'm glad you guys bring it up because it always seemed like that, um, their focus was so much on bringing in that foreign head coach that they always kind of forgot that you actually needed someone to design the team first before you, um, you know, just take a random coach out of nowhere and uh, hand them over the reins. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's been, I mean, in many ways, uh, Leonid, you say it's been, it's been boring in some ways, or you, you, it's been not the best season in terms of the excitement. I would love to know how that feels. <laughs> because, um, uh, <laughs> I, I just want to interrupt right there because it was not that boring. It just the earning championship at the end was not that exciting. Mm. Uh, talking about, uh, fall, when uh, we were close with everybody, with Lokomotiv, Krasnodar, Rostov, uh, like that seemed to be uh, coming really, really exciting. And then uh, just Zenit, the only one who had that depth, that dressing room, and that ability to keep getting points. Uh, they didn't have like a lot of um, injuries. Like it, everything just blended together. But uh, because probably it was the best organized club like starting this season. So yeah, it was exciting, but uh, just the uh, the overall result at the very end when they got they won the game against Krasnodar. I actually <laughs> I like the more idea that we beat Krasnodar that we became championship. Uh, that was more exciting for me back then. <laughs> well, boys, um, we do have some other games to talk about. We have only ten minutes to do it, so I want to really just go over the main points. And one of the main games, Tim, there was another Moscow derby, right? Yeah, yeah, there was a Moscow derby just uh, happened um, to, uh, today. Uh, Spartak played uh, against 1-1 to Lokomotiv. Um, fair game in a sense. In, in, in footballist sense, Domenico Tedesco was uh, shown a red card because he was mm. uh, disagreeing very, very um, emotionally against the penalty which was given against Lokomotiv. Overall, you know, if I was neutral, I didn't really enjoy the game. Um, and that going back to the situation which we discussed with Yuri Sermon, that whole changes, uh, that happened in Lokomotiv, I think they might, like we predicted, slip out of the second automatic spot of promotion because so far the result hasn't been impressive as well as the game. So, yeah, Spartak, uh, won, Lokomotiv won, and that gives, uh, adds a little bit more, uh, drama and a little bit more opportunities for clubs like this, Karastov and Krasnodar to get automatic second, uh, place promotion. To Champions League group. What do you think about that, Andrew? Who's going to get that second spot? Um, well, I, I think Krasnodar. Um, I know they don't have points on the board, but I think they are. Uh, yeah, that defeat to Zanit, well, anybody could lose to Zanit, but I think mm. they're better set. And they've got more players coming back from injury. So I, at this point, would say Krasnodar to get that automatic spot they crave so long for me. Yeah, it would be really, I mean, it's so long coming, isn't it? Andrew, that Champions League spot, um, to get straight into the group stage because they, they, they finished third and then were eliminated in, in the playoffs. Um, it is really, it seems like that would be like the completion of this pro, pro, this whole project, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they would do very well in the Champions League, but that doesn't mm. matter. They've got, it's a learning curve, but I want to see them there. Yeah. 100%. Then Andrew, I'm going to stay with you. 
because um, your side is playing tomorrow against Dynamo Moscow, um, Ural. They're now on 32 points. That seems comfortable-ish. Or how do you feel about it? Well, <laughs> it's absolutely insane. The, this season is certainly not over. You've got 36 points gives you sixth place. And 30 points is in what would have been the relegation playoff zone. So, Ural at the moment are, what, five points clear of relegation. I'm not remotely worried about relegation at this point. Um, Ural have picked up a few points recently, so I think we've got enough there. But I would actually look the other way. Um, if Ural beat Dinamo, then they go up to 35 points. They're only one point behind Ufa in sixth, which could be the backup just in case we don't win the Russian Cup final. Um, just in Europa League. Well, you know, the, the, the Russian Cup final's in the bag anyway. I mean, you know, the Spartak <laughs> yeah. will be kind and polite and will let us win if they get through. And Zanit, well, they probably won't be polite, but we'll still beat them anyway, I'm sure. I actually have a bet on with the, the English media manager of Zanit that the, if it's Zanit or Al in the final of the Russian Cup, then the loser has to pay for drinks all night. And I'm regretting saying that at this point, but, um, Ural Dinamo is actually quite an important game. Is he a big um, drinker? Yeah, likely. Uh, I don't know, but he, <laughs> he's, he's got about 10 years on me, so I think he probably is, yes. <laughs> oh, it's not a good bet to make, Andrew. Should have talked you out of it. No, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but, boys, if I'm not mistaken, sixth place then is uh, Europa League? Yep. Um, so, it um, depends on the cup. If, if you need. If, if the impossible happens and Oral, for some strange reason, don't manage to win, um, which isn't <laughs> going to happen, they are going to win. 100% nailed on. Um, but if they don't, yeah. And then uh, it won't be group stage football, though. It would only be the qualifiers, unlike the Russian Cup winners. Oh, is that how it works? Um, oh, yeah, of In, course. Uh, yes, yeah, the, yes, 100%. Right. They go to fourth um, if the Russian yeah. Cup winners fourth place. That's correct. Stage. Yes, 100%. Well, boys, I think that wraps it up. Unless, uh, Tim, Leonid, Andrew, you have anything last minute curveball that you want to throw at me. I'll give you about five seconds to do that. And then I'm going to wrap this show up. I think that was great. We, we had the new guest. That was great. We had the champion on, on the uh, podcast. Yeah. I think it went great. I think so too. I'm very impressed. Leonid, thank you so much for coming on. Um, would love to have you back on a more regular basis if you have the time. But what, why don't you tell the people where uh, they can find you? Oh, um, well, first of all, thank you guys for having me. It was really, really nice discussion. Uh, yeah, I'm glad to be champion. Let's like not forget about it. And like as I said, it was not that exciting. It is always exciting. It's just not that exciting. <laughs> um, yeah, and I can uh, like I would be interested to come over again so if you are willing to have some other ideas about Zenith uh, let me know uh, I'm not really into social media so um, uh, you can't really find me much but you, I'm on Facebook Leonid Puchowski there you go there you have it if you are still out there and you still use Facebook uh, hit up Leonid ask him some questions Otherwise, you can always ask the questions at Football Grad Live on, on Twitter if you have any. Um, Tim, how about you? What's going on in your life? We just did the first show. We got back. Mm. We played the first live show. It was a um, social distance uh, live music show. So everyone behaved way. Everyone was sitting. Most of people were wearing masks. There was plexiglass, but the live music is back in Vancouver. My band played. It was great. We haven't played the uh, uh, Football Grad Anthem Rasputin, which is the opening song of this uh, podcast. So that was great. And uh, people can find me on Twitter, RussianTim61, uh, Rocket from Russia on Instagram, and my band RussianTim and Pavel Borez on Instagram and Facebook. Beautiful. And how about you, Andrew? What's going on in your life? Uh, well, just uh, reporting on Russian Premier League at the moment. Um, I'm on Twitter, Andrew M-I-J Flynn, and I run a little website, Heart of Football, where we bring different interviews and, and stories that we're going to have some stuff on Euro, uh, European Championships coming up soon. But we've got some really interesting um, personal stories about football on there. So, yeah, give it a give it a look. At, it's heartof.football is our website address. Wonderful stuff. And, yes, give that a follow. Check it out. I've been your host, Manuel Fede. You can follow me on, at Manuel Fede, um on Twitter. 
And you can find most of my work these days on transfermarkt.com or transfermarkt.us or transfermarkt.de. We have lots of different uh, endings to our homepage. And yeah, until next week, dos vidanje. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.